Very good morning to everyone. Welcome to MCRO Radio Milan. Um, today, this is Adriana. Hi. Um, I'm here as always. And today I wanted to do something special. I remember I have this book called Artist Letters by Michael Bird. And oh, it's amazing. It's so so touching and interesting and it's kind of um, weird that that it's all about letters um, it's divided in different topics like family and friends but it's all artists different kind of artists um, mainly painters and writers but And it's from different, uh, how do you say, epochas, um, years maybe, yeah, like throughout the years. So I have selected some of the letters that I really, really liked and that I think that are the most interesting. And I'm going to pair them with music, so... It's kind of, it seems like oh, a little bit intrusive like to read someone else's letters. <laughs> I feel like it's like going through someone's email, no? Or through someone's phone nowadays. But, ah. Uh, They're just magical. They're, they're so beautiful. Anyways, so first I'm gonna, I'm gonna start by leaving you with some music. And this is Van Morrison from the album Topello. Topello. I don't know how to pronounce that one. Tupelo. Topello, honey. And we're listening to this great song, You're My Woman. And after that, it's going to be a little bit random, but a little bit mellow, yeah, cheesy, because I have selected some of the, of the letters from the love department, from the love topic. So I had to. And then I'm going to play uh, Johnny Mitchell, uh, Barbara Streisand, among others so you're listening to Anchor Radio
Jones, Miss Joni Mitchell.
And that was Johnny Mitchell and with the song You Turn Me On, I'm a Radio. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this this album on the background. While I read you some a letter. So this one is where are we listening? We're listening to Big Yellow Taxi in the background. So this is a a, um, a letter from Lucian Freud in 1940 to Stephen Spender, uh, a poet. So there, I'm going to read a little bit of the background and then I'm going to read the letter. It says, As refugees from Nazi Germany, Lucian Freud's family, had settled in England in 1933. In 1938, after Apache secondary education, Freud enrolled in the East Anglian School of Painting and Drawing run by Cedric Morris and Arthur Led Haynes. Cedric taught me to paint, Freud recalled, and more important, to keep at it. In 1939, he spent two months in North Wales where the poet Stephen Spender briefly joined him. They, collab they collaborated on an album of surreal scenarios and sketches, which they called the Freud Schuster book. Schuster was Spender's mother maiden name. Fondly evoked here by Freud. There's uh, on the letter. Morris's absolutely amazing green-faced portrait of the 18-year-old Freud, visually pastiched in his letter, is now in the Tate museum collection so it goes like this it says dearest Spithen and then underneath that it's written Stephen thanks terribly for your letter it crossed one of mine I think life for me is no longer the monotony of waking up in a cold room to find myself with clapped teeth oh I have a customer coming in <laughs> I will leave you with some music. I'll be right back.
So I am back and I just figured out it's gonna be harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. It's Saturday. It's the busiest day of the week. <laughs> and here I am trying to uh, read letters for you. I'll try. <laughs> I will try. I hope it's not very messy. So right now we're listening to Mozart and this is uh, 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 the Frankfurt Chamber Orchestra conducted by Hans Koppenburg. Koppenburg. And we're listening to... This is actually... It's not Mozart. It's Bach with Sinfonia in B-flat major, opus three, number four. We have Carl Engel on the piano. So I'm gonna um, leave that in the background, why not? And before that, we just, just to say, uh, we'll listen to Neon with Lobotomy. And I can find the book. Okay, so just gonna read the letter. Oh, where was I? Yeah. So this is Freud and Stephen Spender. It, th it says, thanks terribly for your letter. It crossed one of mine, I think. Like for me, it's no longer the monotony of waking up in a cold room to find myself with clap the tea sieve or perhaps a poisoned foot or ear. No, Schuster, those happy days are and carefree days are gone. The face Freud and Schuster calls to the mind happy scenes such as two old Hebrews hand in hand in a wood or a bathroom in Enum Court or Pension Day in the Freud Schuster building. But now people think of Freud and Schuster in bath chairs, Freud's ear being amputated in a private nursing home and pus running out of his horn. Schuster in an epileptic fit with artificial funny bones. When I look at all my minor and major complaints and diseases, I feel the disgust I experience when I come across intimate passages in letters not written to me. Cedric has painted a portrait of me, which is absolutely amazing. It is exactly like my face is green. It is a marvelous picture. I have painted a portrait and also a picture of a cat after it has been skinned. Do come down here if you can. What about Mrs. Pease at Hof Holferny in March? John Jameson's has been down here for some days and also a man who has a great friend of the strange Englishman who threw fits to whom Tibbles was employed in Italy. Here is our telephone call. Do you realize that if you shaved your nose every day, you would so grow a reasonable beard on it? <laughs> the firm ought to realize these little things in case of a business drop. That's it. That is it. And it has an amazing drawing on the, on the, 
in the middle of the the paper, and the letter goes around the the drawing, the portrait, and so we're still listening to Mozart, and before I'll go and play Bill Callahan. I wanted to play. I want to play "Writing for the Feeling." This is from the album "Apocalypse" from 2011. Um, <laughs> there's uh, a letter of Piet Mondrian to Kurt Seligman uh, from the early 40s, and then there's another one from. It says C page eighty nine. Where are you? So I think it's the one that I chose. Eighty nine, ninety five, eighty nine. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> So here it goes, it says, um, the background. It says, in September of 1938, Piet Mondrian left the studio, his studio in Paris, where, where he had worked for the best past 26 years and moved to London, anticipating the outbreak of war in Europe. Mondrian always intended to travel on to the US. News of the invasion of his native Netherlands and France by German forces in summer of 1940 followed by the London Blitz in September, left Mondrian unable to paint. By October, he was in New York. He was welcomed by Harry Holtzman, an American abstract artist and former student of Hans Hoffmann, who had visited Mondrian in Paris and now set, set him up with a studio on the corner of 56th Street and 6th Avenue. For Mondrian, the discovery of American jazz, the New York streetscape, and new materials like color sticky tape sparked a new phase of work. In Broadway Boogie Woogie, a piece of Mondrian from 1942, which is at the MoMA right now, uh, almost the last painting he could complete before his death in February of 1944, he replaces his his familiar black grid with yellow lines punctuated by squares of bright red blue and blue forgive me I'll leave you with some music I have a customer over here you're listening to Amco Radio
Now I'm just going to leave you with Writing for the Feeling by Bill Callahan. Uh, it's getting a little bit busy over here, so I'll leave you with some music. You're listening to Amcar Radio. A drop evaporates by law In conclusion, leaving is easy When you've got some place you need to be I'm giving up this gift
Riding for the feeling 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 Riding for the feeling, 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 riding for the riding, for the riding. Riding for the feeling, riding for the feeling, riding for the feeling. Would that have been made suitable to Standing in a field A field of questions As far as the eye can see Is this what it means To be free Or is this what it means
did not do. One fine morning, I'm gonna ride down. Just me and the skeleton crew. One fine morning Yeah, it's all coming back to me now Sam, the 
curtain rolls and back in the morning sun. and the mountain. Mountains bow down like a ballet in the morning sun. Baby and we always stay and the baby and we turns cold and the earth turns black and will I feel you rising on my turns cold and the earth turns black and will I feel you riding on my 
Sorry about that. I am back. Um, <laughs> as I said before, it's busy, busy Saturdays. That's what I should call it, busy Saturdays. I love Saturdays are the best days of the week. And uh, so I left you with uh, Bill Callahan's Apocalypse Side A to B. So we listen to Writing for the Feeling freeze and right now i think we're listening to one fine morning so after this oh it's been 47 minutes how i don't i have no idea how time flies so right now i'm gonna play uh what is it a cool a cool album to be played while there might be lovely customers coming in and then I will have to leave you with the music. So I'm going to play Liars. I love this album. Here we go. So I'm going to start with side A. This is the Grand Delusional. Here we go. You're listening to Amcrit Radio. I, I might go back to the to the letters, maybe one that is not that that long. Um what was I reading? I, I don't. Re I don't even remember. So I just remembered. I'll go on as long as I can. So I I was reading the background of the context of the Mondrian and Seligman letter, and it says that during the 1930s, Mondrian studio in Rue du Départ had been a place of creative pilgrimage for American artists and curators. In New York, he has he was revered as a modern master by members of the American Abstract Artist Group, and met up with many refugee European artist friends. In March of 1942, he exhibited in Artists in Exile, 
at the Pierre Matisse Gallery alongside Chagall, Ernst, Max Ernst, which I'm going to read a, a letter after, uh, Fernand Leger and other, including Kurt Seligman. The well-connected Seligman seems to have offered to introduce Mondrian to his dentist so that he can have a tooth abscess treated. treated. An offer Mondrian courteously declines, explaining that he cannot avoid an operation on the troublesome tooth, which is already held in place by some kind of device. He uses the French term, apparel. So this is what the letter says. It says, dear Seligman, oh, I think there's someone coming in. <laughs> I think maybe it might be interesting for people to see me through the window, because I'm, I'm holding the book that I'm reading. It's hot pink with yellow letters and um, maybe they are like why is she, what is she doing like talking to speaking to a, a microphone and then there's music playing. Anyways, uh, says Dear Seligman, thank you for the address but I am sorry I did not explain you the situation with the tooth. The abscess is on a tooth which keeps already an apparel and is not very strong. So, ah, so it has a, okay, it has a thingy and it's not very strong. This makes the operation in any case has to, this makes that the operation in any case has to be done one time or the other. So it is superfluous to inquire and I cost you trouble for nothing. But perhaps your dentist's address, address can be useful to me later. Very much thanks again and hoping to see you again with greetings to your both yours, Mondrian. And then P.S. I should have written you directly, but I didn't know your address. It has a beautiful handwriting. Very hard to understand. But it's very, very nice. And then I'm going to read to you. Another letter, the 89, now that I can. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, this is from Leonora Carrington, the painter. Uh, from This is from 1948 to Kurt Seligman, the same man Mondrian uh, wrote the letter before. And it says, Dear Kurt, I want to tell you, I have just come to the end of your beautiful book on witchcraft, and I would like to say how very much delight your lucidity and intelligence have given me. Naturally, it is very difficult to give a complete opinion by letter, and I am also far more interested in what you have to say on the subject than what I do. All through the book, I was, mo I was most moved and touched by the scrupulous honesty uh, with which you treated each subject and the great rarity of someone writing on magic without any attempt of mystification, which, which seems to be a vulgar, vulgar habit. I feel I would like to talk to you and unfortunately, this being impossible, I must content myself with a very inadequate letter. I am still imprisoned 
in this foul and filthy place, which is parenthesis, which is terrible because she was in Mexico. And she and I am so impressed because all of the Mexicans love her and treat her as if she's Mexican. And I have never read something like this. Like, I mean, I understand why it was like a prison for her. But anyways, I'm going to keep reading. And then if I can, I'm going to read you the... The, the context of this it says I am still imprisoned in this foul and filthy place I have two beautiful children four dogs, two cats and a parrot but I still hate this place and suffer from the enforced isolation being a commonly sociable creature please give my salutes to Arlette and again my admiration and all possible good wishes for yourself Sincerely yours, Leonora Carrington. So, the context is, at our school in London of 1937, Leonora Carrington had an affair with the German artist Max Ernst, who introduced her to surrealism. Surrealism. After Carrington's parents tried, tried, to have Ernst arrested, the couple escaped to France. Displacement, separation, and mental breakdown followed by Carrington, but followed for Carrington. But by the early 1940s, now married to the Mexican poet. Ah, but I think she didn't want to get married to that one, to this one. So now married to the Mexican poet diplomat Renato Leduc. She was part of a group of surrealist artists in the Mexican, in Mexico, with Salvador Dali's presence in New York and a steady steam of artists excels from wartime Europe, including the printmaker Kurt Seligman. Ah, surrealism was entering a new American phase alongside the Fre Freudian. Unconscious, the occult was a prime source of surrealist imagery. Before arriving in New York from Paris in 1939, Seligman had been known for prints of paranormal fantasies such as black magic and the witch. He had also accumulated a large collection of antiquarian books on subjects such as witchcraft, alchemy, and palmistry. Seligman became a self-taught expert and writer on the occult. Carrington's own occult interests can be seen in her 1945 dream painting the house of opposite which is at the West Dean College in Sussex around this time living in in foul and filthy Chihuahua Mexico where with her next husband photographer Cici Weiss and infant sons Gabriel and Pablo Carrington often turned to Seligman for advice on the occult. She tells him how much he has enjoyed the copy of his book, and he has sent her, which he has sent her on publication in 1948. I wonder why she felt like she was imprisoned in Mexico. Would it be because of her marriage? Because of the culture? Because of the artist 
social circle? I don't know. Hmm. Ah, it's intriguing. It's not filthy. And I think they, they, the letter says Chihuahua. Uh, one nine four, but I think it's a street. There's a there's a street in Mexico City, and I know that she lived in Mexico City, so I think it's it's from that time. Anyways, which is beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, but it's fine. It's fine. I, I'm not. I don't want to judge Leonora Carrington because I don't know what life she had. And she lived. So I'm gonna leave you with liars and the side A of this album. You're listening to Anchor Radio.
Now this is gonna be fun. This has a reason to be. So bear with me. Oh, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Anyways, it's just because of this letter. This is by Jean Cocteau. Uh, it doesn't say to who it was directed, but on December 5th of 1928, he, Jean Cocteau had himself admitted to a high-class clinic in St. Cloud, a suburb of western Paris in a second attempt to cure his opium addiction. So, it says, my dearest friend, just like that. And then he has a picture, a drawing, but it's, it, it is explained on the, on the letter. It says, my dearest friend, wax and sugar are worth just as much as bronze and marble. Has our Lord left a single written line? And the reality of the spirit counts for more than the accidental reality of facts. I will stop my writing if my books do not repay me with these friendships that fall from heaven like yours. For me, all good things happen on Christmas Eve. Your letter is a star. Is a star. Why do you ask my permission to bring me joy? You must realize that I am living in a clinic, the torture chamber. For the second time, I'm trying to live without opium. They have cut me off entirely, and it's really hard. To be honest, I persist in confusing soul sickness with nervous disorders. Write, write to me. If I'm raising a head, it's because my work is me and you are the friend of my work. I kiss you, Jean Cocteau. I only have a sheet of 
scrap paper covered with a drawing made during this terrible night at the St. Cloud. Hi. And that's that. So I will leave you with Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Barbara Streisand. Of course. You're listening to MCR Radio.
right into the ocean it ain't nobody's business if i do if my man ain't got no money and i say take all of mine honey it ain't nobody's business if i do if i give him my last nickel and it leaves me in a pickle it ain't nobody's business if i do i'd rather my man would hit me than for him to jump up and quit me it ain't nobody's business if i do If I'm beat up by my papa, it ain't nobody's business if I do. Ain't nobody's business, nobody's business, nobody's business if I do. That was Billie Holiday with Ain't Nobody's Business live <clears throat> at the Carnegie Hall. I have to read this gossip for you from Jean Cocteau, the one that I just read the letter. So he was, yes, he was interned on the, admitted at the St. Cloud for the opium addiction. And then it says that he has started using the drug after the sudden death from typhoid of his lover, Raymond Radiget, Radiget, five years earlier and had first sought treatment in March of 1925. So he f entered for the second time in 1928. The bill for the, for the current one was expensive was very spe expensive spell of rehab was being covered by the fashion designer Coco Chanel. Denied all access to drugs, Cocteau was unable to sleep for 12 nights. After the first week, he began to correspond his with friends. Gertrude Stein replied with the gift of a houseplant. Picasso sent some drawings. Cocteau's new lover, Jean Debord was separately undergoing treatment in the same clinic. Another intimate was Raymond Russell, a fabulously rich and hyper-eccentric experimental writer with whom Cocteau began to communicate by letter. Uh, written on a drawing made during these terrible nights in mid-December, this letter re reads like a reply to fan mail from a new admirer that Cocteau had received just before Christmas. Debord, to whom it was being thought to be addressed, would not need to be informed that Cocteau is in a clinic exactly, and that he is trying to live without opium for the second time. In April of 1929, when Chanel stopped paying the bills, Cocteau discharged himself and returned to Paris. He immediately began writing opium, Diary of a Cure, and in just 18 days, he also wrote Les Enfants Terribles, 
Children of the Game, which was published in July of 1929. It tells the story of a brother and a sister, Paul and Elizabeth, who create rules, who create an alternative reality, the game, into which their friends and lovers are drawn. The rules that apply in their strange world of child, childhood, writes Cocteau, are the waking dream of opium eaters. <gasps> mm -mm -mm. And then the letter that I, I just read. XOXO. So, I'll leave you with the great Billie Holiday. You're listening to Uncle Radio. Ceases from now on. And if you can't say anything real nice, just don't talk out. That's my advice. If why don't you go your way and I'll go mine? It's best that we do. Here's a little kiss, and I hope that this brings lots of luck to you. It makes no difference how I carry on. Please don't talk about me. Don't you talk about me. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone.
So that was Breadcrumb Trail by Slint. And we're gonna go and listen to Laraji, and this is We Shall Be Lifted. You're listening to Amco Radio.
called him Cosmic Joe. Once upon a time there was a journey to a mystical place called Holy Mo. On that path there was someone they often called Cosmic Joe. Yeah. 
And now I'm gonna change it up a little bit. I'm gonna play, I'm almost done. I'm gonna, I have two more, two more records over here. And I'm gonna play Dina Washington. This is from the This Is My Story album. And I have some, some customers here. So I might leave you with the whole side. This orchestra is conducted by Quincy Jones. So we're gonna start with September in the Rain. And then I don't hurt anymore. I'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Emperor Radio. The leaves of brown came tumbling down, remember? In September in the rain the sun went out just like a dying ember that september in the rain to every word of love i heard you whisper The raindrops seem to play a sweet refrain Though spring is here to me, it's still September Ooh, that's September In the rain To every word of love I heard you The raindrops seem to play a sweet refrain Though spring is here To me it's still September That's September In the rain In the rain I don't hurt anymore All my teardrops are dry With all that burning inside Just to think it could be
Ooh, in every way 
the harbor line 
we were parting The same old harbor lights That once brought you to me Goodbye Two tender nights Beside the silver sea I long to hold you near And kiss you just once more So that was the whole side of this volume two of This Is My Story by Dina Washington. And now I'm going to wrap it up with the Eugene, switch on Eugene, one night eight. And I think I might play the whole D side because I still have some customers around, so uh, I'll do that. Thank you so much for, uh, maybe maybe after that, if I can, I, I still want to read one last letter, but who knows. <laughs> uh, Sam Crow Radio is brought to you by M. Crow Beer, Glacier Golf on Fresh. Let's listen to the switch on Eugene.
So I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna use this time to sit down a little bit and to read the last letter. This is Paul Cezanne uh, writing to to the writer Emile Bernard. We're talking about September 21st of 1906. Ah, September 21st is my best friend's birthday. Hmm, that's funny. So here I go. I hope, I really do hope this is a long letter, but I, I hope I can, can read this one to you. Here we go. I'm going to read the context. This is the last of a series of letters the elderly Paul Cézanne wrote to the younger painter and writer Emile Bernard, who had first visited him in 1904. As Bernard must have hoped, he had already published letters he had received from Van Gogh. Their correspondence elicited some of Cézanne's most deeply self-reflections on his art. Treat nature by means of the cylinder, the sphere, the cone. We must render the image of what we see, forgetting everything that existed before us. Will I ever attain the end for which I have striven so much and so long? He asked Bernard here. A few weeks later, on October 17th, he wrote to an artist supplier, complaining that the paint he had ordered had not arrived. Then on October 22nd, after collapsing while painting in his garden, garden at Aix-en-Provence, and very nearly fulfilling his promise to himself, he died. <gasps> no! <laughs> and with a kiss, I die. And this is what the letter said. It says, my dear Bernard, I am in such a state of mental disturbance. I'd fear, I fear at moments that my frail reason may give way. After the terrible heat wave that we, oh, ya no veo, I'm blind, <laughs> that we have just had, a milder temperature has brought us some calm to our minds, and it was not too soon. Now it seems to me that I see better and that I think more correctly about the direction of my studies. Will I ever attain the end for which I have striven so much and so long? I hope so. But as long as it is not attained, a vague sense of uneasiness persists, which will not disappear until I have reached port. That is until I have realized something which develops better than in the past and thereby can prove the theories, which in themselves are always easy. It is only giving proof of what one thinks that raises serious obstacles, so I continue to study. But I have reread your letter and I see that I always answer off the mark. Be good enough to forgive me. It is, as I told you, this constant preoccupation with the aim, with the aim I want to reach, which is the cause of it. I am always studying after nature and it seems to me that I make slow progress. I should have liked you near me, for solitude always wa weighs me down a bit. 
but I am old, ill, and I have sworn to myself to die painting rather than go under in debasing paralysis which threatens all men who allow themselves to be dominated by passions which course in their senses. If I have the pleasure of being with you one day, we shall be to we shall be better able to discuss this in person. You must forgive me for continually coming back to the same thing, but I believe in the logical development of everything we see and feel through the study of nature and turn my attention turn my attention to technical questions later. For technical questions are for us the only simple means of making the public feel what we feel ourselves and of making ourselves understood. The great masters whom we admire must have done just that. A warm greeting from the obstinate macro macrobite who sends you a cordial handshake, Paul Cezanne. And that's it. That was nice. That was uh, some very nice two hours of artist letters from this book by Michael Byrne. What is the editorial? It's already six, and I could continue. Uh, the the editorial is White Lion Publishing. It's a very nice book. If you if you like it, you should get it because it has the scanned letters, the pictures of the scans there, and then the the story of the the letter, a little bit of the context, and then the letter written. No. Nicely, well typed, retyped. I don't know. And that's it. I will leave you. Why not with the whole side of this one of switched on Eugene. And I hope you have a very nice Saturday, a very nice weekend. So as I said, M Crow Radio is brought to you by M Crow Beer Glacier Co-Fund Fresh. Stay tuned because we have. Uh, later around five I think uh, the guys from Lost In and then tomorrow too in the afternoon so thank you be very happy spread love for yourself and for everyone for the world for the, the entire universe I was making um I did an exercise of you drop everything you're doing right now at the moment and then you just look up to boom, towards the sky. If you're in your room, then you look up and to your roof, I don't know. And then it, w it was an exercise to stay present for a tiny second and to be aware that you are the only person in this universe, in this whole planet, in this whole everything, staring at the point that you're staring at, 
at that moment and that that for me was mind-blowing it was so special it was like oh my god i'm the only one looking at this thing that well i did it while i was here so i have a lamp just above me and that you're the only person at that exact moment looking at that object or that thing from that perspective <sighs> oh my god isn't that unique i think it's just like you're the only person doing that in the whole world in the whole world <gasps> oh my goodness that should make you feel special it did make me feel special it made me feel oddly connected to the ground i don't know <laughs> i don't know how to explain this but anyways if you can do that to come back to the present moment and come back to just be being uh -huh, just being that's it just being without anything else no narration of anything just be no narration of the the outside world just just be anyways <laughs> um it was a very nice day i feel happy i feel very happy i'm gonna leave you i'm gonna leave you with some music i hope it wasn't that messy to come and go and this and that here and there up and down but that i think it was just a to read this kind of things it's it's nice so you can relate to to most of the feelings and then you're like oh we are all humans no and we all feel and differently and react differently to different situations in life so yes it was a little bit how do you say morboso like uh morbo that it intrigues you to know the gossip because it, it it is mostly about gossip a little bit of artists and but it's more about the connection and the resonance that it makes you like oh, i've i've felt that before and i'm not the only one anyways i'll leave you with some music thank you so much for tuning into mcro radio have a very nice weekend ciao and the it was nice because the last letter that i have yes i'm gonna shut up in a little bit the last letter that i i read was from the theme of on the book called signing off so it was it was perfect to finish this playlist and show of the day thank you so much again enjoy life ciao